If y'all have been here over the past, what, I think it's been two and a half months, uh, we have been in Ecclesiastes, and we're still going over faith and discipline. We do still have some of these, so if you didn't grab one earlier in the year and you want to put one one of these on your fridge just to be reminded of it day in and day out, uh, it's a great little reminder, day in and day out, just to look at that and see the tree planted in the Word, because that's what we're supposed to be, and we have the short of... Shield sword of faith, you know. Um, But yeah, it's a great reminder to live in faith and in discipline every single day. So if you want one, there are still some somewhere. They might be at the Connect booth, but go and get you one. Um, But yeah, so we've been in Ecclesiastes since the beginning of April, and we are nearly there. We are in Ecclesiastes 11, and there's only 12 chapters, so that means we are nearing the end. Uh, and today, we get to look at an entire chapter. All right? Fortunately for y'all, it's 10 verses, so we uh, don't have a lot to read. But uh, hang in there, because this, this passage is honestly, it, it can feel a little bit awkward. It's not one that you would sit down and be like, uh, yeah, I want to sit here and study this entire thing. And it do, it's not very congruent, I guess would be the word, at first glance. Uh, but it does... Uh, all messed together, and it'll actually be a turning point and kind of a crux for uh, moving into next week. So pay attention. If you got your notepads out, feel free to take notes. I've got a few things that you might want to write down and meditate on if you want to. Anyway, uh, but we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 11. Before I dive in and read this passage, though, let's pray because that's always a great way to start. So, uh, God, we just thank you for this morning. Um, God, for the time that we've already been able to to sing and praise, God, as we've been able to pray and just as we try to focus ourselves on you, God, and your word and what you're saying to us this morning, God, help us to be able to do that. Help us to be able to um, get rid of all distractions, God, and to focus on what you're saying to us this morning. I pray that I don't say anything that would hinder or get in the way of you, um, but God, that every word is exactly what needs to be said and God exactly what needs to be heard this morning. Uh, so as we read, speak to us. We thank you. We love you. And it's in your beautiful and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read it all, all through uh, right out the gate, and then we'll kind of break it down as we go, okay? It says, Send your bread on the surface of the water, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. And whether a tree falls to the south or the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at the evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes. But know 
For all these things, but know that, for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. (laughs) Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh, because youth and the prime of life is fleeting. All right. So like I said, this passage kind of feels a little bit everywhere, right? Uh, But like I said, it'll be the crux for moving on to chapter 12 next week. And as I was reading it, one of the things that was really clear, especially in the first half, was he's talking about investment. Okay, so it may not seem like it. It may sound like in the first verse he's talking about feeding ducks because he says, send your bread out on the surface of the water. Right. My mind immediately went to ducks. And I have to tell you, if that's where yours went to, it's okay. You're in good company. But I don't think that's what Solomon was talking about when he was saying, send your bread out on the surface of the water. So that is a reference to maritime trade. If you know anything about Israel, you know that they're right on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea, and they would do a lot of trade just with the countries surrounding them. And it was a very uh, common thing for people to ship out their grains uh, through the Mediterranean Sea. But does anybody know anything about Mediterranean climate and weather? Good. I didn't either, so that makes me feel good. Um, But turns out it gets really stormy in the Mediterranean. So whenever you send out your grains that you have been growing, that you had workers go and pick, it was a gamble on whether or not you were actually going to see any return on it. So here he's talking about investment. That's actually what uh, the title of the message is today, is Investments and Success. Okay? He's talking about investment because he goes on and in verse 2 and says, give a portion to seven or to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. So in other words, he's talking about don't just invest, but diversify your investments. Um, Yeah, diversify your investments. So, I'm sorry, y'all. This thing is aggravating. Anyway, diversify your investments. But be sure to invest because it's something that is so common in our lives. We invest in things. Does anybody invest their money? Okay. If you have a 401k, you have invested your money. Okay. Um, If you uh, went to the grocery store this week, guess what? You invested in food and sustenance. So we invest every day. It's just we don't typically call it investments. We just call it a run to the grocery store. And in my case, you might do that three or four times a week because we cannot seem to get it together in one trip. But we invest in things all the time. And investment, financial investment is not exactly the point of what Solomon is getting to. But keep in mind, he is the wisest and the richest man who has ever lived. So I don't think he can help himself but give a little bit of financial advice in there too. So diversify your investments. But he continues, uh, the end of verse 2 says, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. Now this is one of the things that we're going to read a lot over the next few verses is you don't know. He actually mentions it four times in the next four verses. You don't know. Would anybody say that their investments are sure? No. Because if if they were, we'd all be day traders, right? And millionaires. (laughs) Uh, 
Let me ask you too. Does anybody uh, ever play a scratcher? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's an investment too, right? <laughs> All right. So I just had to mention it because everybody who raised their hand, it's okay. We know now, but it's okay. The Lord loves, still forgives. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, but yeah, the numbers and the ratios of wins to losses on the back of the card that you would see would say one in one, double your money. Not one in, you know, 2.3 million. You might uh, break even, right? Not all investments are sure because you don't know. It is a, it is a total gamble. But that's the whole point. We have to invest wisely. Uh, and I love in the NLT, some of the, uh, well, actually verse five, it mentions not, it doesn't just mention you don't know, but it says you can't even understand. <laughs> you don't even understand. And it's not just talking about investments, but here it's even talking about life. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold for us. We can plan, but we don't know for certain. There is so much uncertainty in our lives that we have to make the wisest and best decisions possible every single day. Knowing full well that we will never fully understand and that we can't even know. But we still make investments. Uh, and what I love here, too, is if we jump down to um, verse five. It says, just as you don't know the path of the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman. So also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. He makes everything. He knows everything. He is omniscient. He is all knowing. There is no uncertainty in him. Right. And that's a blessing. But the point is, is that we don't know. We don't know what God's plans are. We can pray that he would reveal them, but we still don't know for certain, right? Because I don't know what God's got in store for me tomorrow, but I guarantee you, he knows. And it's really neat to see that uh, throughout the New Testament, Paul mentions that God is mysterious. Now, that's not a word that we would typically use to describe God, but it doesn't make it not true. He is mysterious, and that's okay, because he reveals himself in his word. He, he tells us everything we need to know about him. So there's a lot of things that we don't know. But what I do know is that everything that we have is on loan from God. Right? It's not ours. It's his because he knows all. And I'm just living day to day, minute to minute, second to second. Right? And so this is... Again, this, this is the transition here where we're talking about financial and uh, life to understanding that Solomon is really trying to point us to how to live successfully. Like all these other things are great to know, um, you know, how to how to invest wisely financially. But the point that he's trying to get to is that successful living is really the key. All right. And just so you know, when we talk about successful living, this isn't like a prosperity gospel message at all. OK, I'm not saying to, you know, God wants you to be a millionaire. That's not in the plans for all of us. But he does want us all to live successfully. So we, when we pick up in verse seven, it says life is sweet and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. 
And indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all and let him remember the days of darkness since they will be many. And then he throws in this fun little section. All that comes is futile. (laughs) Doesn't that just fill y'all with great hope and enthusiasm? (laughs) He says, all that comes is futile. But he continues, rejoice. And I love how that comes right after he says that too, right? Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart, and in the desire of your eyes. And that sounds kind of like, what? Like you've been... You've already written 10 chapters on how that's not a great idea. Then he says, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. All right, so when we start, come back to verse 7 real quick. When we're talking about light and darkness here, when Solomon writes about light and darkness, he's talking about life and death. Because we may not know everything and we may may not know a lot, but there are a few things in life that are absolutely certain. Death and taxes, right? But that means that while we have life, we've got to use it. We have to invest our life wisely. How we spend our minutes, how we spend our seconds, how we spend our days. Because, I don't know if y'all know this, but time travel is not real. Okay? Life is unilateral. It only moves in one direction. So once it's gone, it's gone. And so I love uh, how Paul writes it in Ephesians. He says, uh, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And we get to talk a little bit more about that next Sunday. I don't want to, you know, I know you can go ahead and read chapter 12, but I don't want to take that opportunity away from Bobby next week. But we've got to understand that our investment, how we spend our lives is important. Because it's brief, it matters what we do. Because there are so many more days in the grave than there are days above ground, it's important what we do. Because it comes from God and it's on loan to us. It's important what we do. And because there's only one, we only get one. It matters what we do. So successful living is truly the greatest investment that we can make. There is no other greater investment. And then, uh, like I said, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, verse 8 and into 9. So, does anybody like to read philosophy? Just out of curiosity. Miss Jennifer? Colleen? Anybody else? Okay. Alright. There's a few of you in here. Um, there has always been two frames of mind that have always just been really interesting to me. And that's hedonism and nihilism. Have any of y'all heard of those words? No. Okay. Lillian. Alright. There's one. Alright. We're going to learn you today. Okay? So, nihilism is the idea that Nothing in life matters. Really, the fuller picture, uh, the fuller term is existential nihilism. It means that I have looked at all of life and concluded that nothing matters because life is short. And yeah, life is short and there is nothing else. That is the thought there. Now, I don't 
agree with it. But that is a huge frame of mind for a lot of our culture is that there's nothing beyond life here. And because it's so so short, it doesn't really matter. So we're going to live it up. The reverse side is uh, hedonism. Have you all heard of? I think I already asked you, but hedonism. If you've ever read Desiring God by uh, John Piper, it's actually the subtitle of his book is uh, Christian Hedonism. So he's not trying to get us to uh, regular hedonism, but Christian hedonism, in that we live completely and solely for ourselves because life is short. We're going to live it up. So both of them come to the same conclusion. It's just on different scales. One thinks that, well, there's no point. One thinks, well, the point of life is for me to have fun, right? And that's kind of where Solomon is coming from. He says, he continues uh, in chapter 8, verse 8, sorry. Um, All that comes is futile, and then he says, rejoice, young person. So he's, he's trying to fight those two right there and trying to, balance them out and get us to an actual Christian perspective, which which is to uh, rejoice knowing that our days are short because we get the opportunity to pick and choose what we're going to do every day and how we're going to live it for God. Right? Because the greatest investment we can live is a successful life. I mean, you can even look uh, at Hebrews 11. Right? We know it as the faith chapter. But it is full of stories of people who have made great investments as they balanced out living for themselves and living for God. And let me tell you, it doesn't really go great until you start truly living for God. Whenever that's what really tips out the scales, things get crazy, things get haywire. But we know that we have hope in Christ. So, The last thing, so we have successful uh, investments, we've got successful living, and then we've got successful legacy. Legacy is something that we don't really truly like to talk about a whole lot, right? Because that means that we're nearing our end. Um, But it's something that we should keep more in mind. Um, One of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard, uh, and I actually heard it while I was in school, is that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Um, he was, my teacher was referencing um, King Asa and King Jehoshaphat. Um, and so he quoted that. And so I was like, man, that's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention that on Sunday morning. Do you know how many people have been um, referenced for that same exact quote? A bunch. Literally every motivational speaker ever. I literally went from Zig Ziglar to Michael Phelps has said that, and they've all been quoted. The thing is, though, there's a reason so many people have said it, and it's because it is so true. It's not how we start, but it's how we finish. It's not, um, it's not what all you do, but it's how you live to get to the end, right? And what you do when you get to the end. Are you going to live only for yourself and make investments in yourself knowing that you have an end? Or are we going to make investments for the eternal king, the Lord of our lives? All right. Wow. That timer got short really quick. (laughs) All right. 
But as I started thinking about those things, I started thinking like, do you think Solomon had a successful legacy? You know, we know him as the king who was the wisest, who was the richest. We know him also as the king who had uh, 300 wives and 700 girlfriends. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all can't see it from here, but Aubrey's face just went. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so did he have successful life and does he have successful legacy? That's something that we really, truly need to think about. I'm not going to give you the answer. I want you to think about it. Because the thing is, is we get the opportunity every day to decide, too, if we're going to have a successful legacy. We do. It's not something that, you know, we get to the end and we're like, well, I hope. No, we get to live each and every day in expectation that when we get to the end of our lives that we're going to have a successful legacy, right? All right. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and skip some verses. But um, the one thing that I want you all to remember today is that a successful legacy is built on successful living, and that successful living happens when you make successful investments every single day. And the best investment you can make is living a life in pursuit of God. That's what Solomon is trying to say. He says, I have pursued everything. I have pursued women, money. I have pursued anything that you can think of, and I've chased after it. And I've decided that it was all vanity. It was Havel. It was pointless. It was meaningless. He said, but living a life in pursuit of God is ultimately the best and most fulfilling thing in the world. And we get to understand and take from that the wisdom that he gave us and understand that we have every day the ability to make those decisions on where we're going to invest our time and if we're actually going to invest ourselves in pursuing God. He is the best investment you will ever make. Chasing after Him is the best thing you will ever do. And I'm kind of jealous of Bobby that he gets to finish out with chapter 12 because next week we're going to learn a little bit more about that too because how Solomon ends everything that he's uh, talked about in these 11 chapters so far and eventually 12 next week, he concludes it with saying, exactly what we're supposed to do. But here and now, today, we're just going to start investing wisely, right? Investing our lives every second, every minute, every day in pursuit of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who was the Alpha, the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who knows all. And we're going to start investing there. So, let's pray, and then uh, Nick is going to come up, and uh, if you want to pray with him, um, he'll be right down here, and we're going to sing one more song. So, let's pray, and we'll get ready. God, we just thank you for this opportunity that we get today. God, to hear your word, to read your word, to understand that Solomon was talking about investing our lives. God, not in the pointless and the meaninglessness, but uh, God, that 
We can invest our lives in you, the one who will absolutely yield results, and that is eternal life with you. God, if there is one sure thing in life, it is that life with you is so much better than any other thing in this world. God, so much better than what this world has to offer. God, we thank you for for who you are and being the one that we can pour ourselves out before and know and know for certain that it's better. Help us to invest wisely every single day, not financially, but God, with our time because we only get one life and it only moves in one direction. So God, help us to spend it well. Help us to use it well. Help us to use it for the kingdom and for your glory. We thank you for all that you do and for being so good to us. We love you. It is in your beautiful and precious name we pray. Amen.